Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland. With me today is the guy that just always lands on the honeypot, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? I love that honeypot. I'm good, Cortland. That's good. Do you like honey? It's all right. It's got its places. I don't like honey very much. Beehives, for example. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the honey, man. Um, let's see. Honey on toast, maybe. Oh, no. you know what? Honey sure. Nut Cheerios. That's where it belongs. All right. I feel like we had this discussion with blueberries. I like artificial honey, like maybe they have in Honey Nut Cheerios and Honey Bunches of Oats. But if I'm like squirting it out of the bottle, that's a no thank you. What do you mean artificial? That bee is dripping the honey on those Cheerios personally. <sighs> I mean, like, I'm not going to go grab a bottle of honey and start dumping it on my Honey Nut Cheerios and eating it like it's milk and cereal. Just not chugging the honey. Okay. No, I, I don't ya. like it. So how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm doing all right, I guess. Well, that's good. Did you do anything awesome this week? Nope. You never do. Nope, that's my life. That's okay. I didn't do anything super awesome this week either. I have been getting into Tetris 99. And a game called Fall Guys. So, it's been a week of just destroying my competition. Have you been doing well in those games? No, I suck. But that's not the point. It's about having fun, Brandon, okay? You should try it. Yeah, the real fun is the fun you have along the way. Exactly. Yeah. Everything I did this week was podcast related. (laughs) Yeah, I've been working on the podcast quite a bit as well. Getting all those bonus content, extra episodes out for patrons. Oh, I watched a movie the, last night. Whoa. My niece called me up and she's like, hey, you want to do a movie night? And I was like, yeah, sure. So we watched it over Hulu and then we just talked through um, Discord. And uh, we watched a movie called Overlord, um, which is about some Nazis and some zombies. It was kind of okay, I guess. Kind of okay. All right. That's a good review. Yeah. How old is it? 2018. Oh, that's recent. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it starts and they drop on D-Day or whatever. And um, that part was really cool. And then it just gets super, super slow. And um, and then the ending is okay. But um, I don't know if I can recommend it. There's not enough zombies for me. Too many Nazis, not enough zombies. Yeah, it's like an hour. An hour and 20 minutes in is when the, the first zombie, like, eats a person. And that is... I think the only what? zombie that eats a person. I don't think you can even adver- advertise your movie as a zombie movie with that kind of numbers. It's not, really. But that makes it even weirder, then. It's like a movie not about zombies, <laughs> where a zombie just shows up and eats a person. Yeah, pretty much. Them Germans, that's all of the, that's... That'd be like if, you know, you're watching Pretty Woman and... <laughs> <laughs> An hour and ten minutes into it, a zombie just comes and takes a bite out of Richard Gere. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? This movie just got awesome. Yeah, but then it's just kind of like, I want more of that, and then it doesn't happen. <clears throat> There's a lot of buildup of things that just don't go anywhere, and um, that's not really how you should make a movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess build up and then have nothing happening is like real life or whatever, but I'm not accustomed to having that stuff happen, so stop it. Nobody watches movies for real life. No, they watch documentaries for real life. But enough talking about this boring movies. Let's talk about 90s children's television. That's my favorite. Brandon and I just got done watching The Tale of the Misfortune Cookie. 
What'd you think of this episode, Brandon? Well, uh, you know, I just kind of thought this episode was dog shit. (laughs) Okay, Catherine. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Joyce here. What? This episode is so nothing. It's blah. There's nothing. There's no substance to this episode at all. Yeah. You're not wrong. I gave it the benefit of the doubt because it has probably the worst name in the entire series so far. Yes. But I thought, you know, what's in a name? But man, this episode doesn't even live up to that name. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't, does it? That's a low bar and it doesn't doesn't make it at all. This episode, okay, the execution and the storyline and the characters not good. It's not good. No, it's not good. It's the worst episode of season 6 so far by far. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even though IMDb gave it an 8 out of 10 and Forever Game had like what a 3 out of 10. What is going on with IMDb? Who are these people? I don't know, man. I think that there's just like a swarm of people that lowly rated things. I don't know. Do these episodes have one review each? And it's from one of the cast members. <laughs> just like i wasn't in this one one star (laughs) i don't know man but i will say i did not expect like a uh life switcheroo episode like it reminded me of like no the the christmas movie where like the guy's like i wish i didn't exist (laughs) and then they got this i was like this is misfortune cookie right (laughs) yeah like the name you definitely think it's going to be the fortune cookies like, oh, you're going to die. And then he's like, uh oh, yes. And then he's got to prevent his death or something. I don't know. Or your mom's going to die. But no, it's not that. That would all. be a compelling episode. It's fucking Christmas Carol. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's Christmas Carol with like um a boring main character who has no emotion and a sister, and a fam, and I don't know, man. It's I don't think we should just get into it. Yeah, let's just talk about All it. Alright, our episode opens up, and we see some fortune cookies in a hat, and the camera pans up, and Andy is giving them out to the other members of the Midnight Society. And he looks over at Vange and says, Come on, only take one! And Vange is all, But I'm hungry! And Andy tells her that fortune cookies aren't about eating. They're about telling your fortune. So Vange throws her second one back in the hat saying, great, doomed to starve. That's my fortune. If you're going to eat fortune cookies for like nourishment, there's something wrong. Yeah, you're going to need like a thousand fortune cookies to be (laughs) even a snack. Yeah, they're really small. They're air. (laughs) 90% air. 10% paper. Exactly. Quinn walks over to Andy saying, like, fortunes mean anything anyway. And Andy shrugs saying, well, I don't know. Sometimes they're kind of right. And we see Quinn take a seat on an office chair or something. And then we cut over to Megan and Tucker and they're sitting on a couch. So they just changed everything. There's couches and chairs and stuff. They wheeled them and Look, lifted them all the way over. This isn't your grandpappy's Midnight Society. No, it's not. This is all new Generation X extreme midnight society can you just picture them lifting and carrying that couch all the way through the woods (laughs) down a trail that was that's closed (laughs) not at all yeah i don't (laughs) whatever though you know they barely found their way to the area last episode yeah i know now they have like 
a home studio. <laughs> yeah, now they're just like, bring the canoe. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of like it, though. I mean, they updated it, and why not have comfortable seats? Except for the fact that it's going to rain eventually, and then your couch is going to smell horrible, but whatever. Yeah, it's the woods. Maybe they, like, put plastic wrap on it when they leave. Who knows? Well, we see them leave, so we know. <laughs> yeah, they don't do that, but that's wishful thinking. They, they dump a bucket on that shit and get right out of there. <laughs> they, do, they do. Megan cracks open her fortune cookie, and the fortune says, You're a beautiful star that shines in the night. And she says, Yeah, that's about right. And we look at Andy, who's sitting on the throne, and he just smiles and nods. And then Tucker reads his, which says, Many will follow your wise guidance. And he says, Cool. And the camera pans a little, and we see Quint's face in the foreground, and he says, you're both dreaming. And we cut over to Vange, who reads her fortune, which says, good for one free egg roll. And she shows it off excitedly, saying, I am all over this. I have never won an egg roll in a fortune cookie. That's not a thing. No, because the egg rolls just come mass-produced from some company. They dump them out in the dump truck. (laughs) Well... I mean, like, there's so many places that you get fortune cookies, like, it doesn't even tell you where it's good for. You're just going to walk into a random-ass Chinese restaurant and be like, uh, you owe me an egg roll. China owes me an egg roll. I got this from Andy's hat, and I want my egg roll now. (laughs) I am not leaving until you accept this fortune cookie paper. This is a bank. Please leave. (laughs) Megan then asks Quinn what his says, so he cracks it open and takes a look, and it's blank. And Vange is all, uh-oh, that's bad. That means you have no future. And she giggles as Quinn says, yeah, right. That would be a better story. It really would be. That's what should have happened in this story. <laughs> yeah, damn. Then he swivels in his office chair to look at Andy and says, what's the point here, Gomer? And Andy, who was just staring at Quinn for some reason kind of creepily, just blinks, and then says, well, my story's about fortune cookies. Nobody really believes them. I mean, you forget about them a second after you read them. Oh, okay. So that's what these fortune cookies are about. Yeah. All starting to come together. I agree with Andy, though. Like, I couldn't tell you any fortune I've ever had in a fortune cookie. No. They're dumb. And Andy says, but what if the fortune you get in those cookies turned out to be true and what if the fortune you got was a bad one that means your fortune cookie would really be a misfortune cookie and i shut the i shut the episode off after that the entire time he was setting that up i was like don't say it please just don't oh god don't say i mean he has to say it right and i was like no he doesn't he had to say it at least once when he threw the dust in Yeah, that would have been bad enough. I'd be like, oh, come on, man. But to say it in the setup... Tucker and Megan just kind of look at each other, and Quinn gets up saying, give me another one. But Vange is all, hey, if I only get one, then you only get one. So he sits back down. Just give her another one. He has more in his head. He brought extra. He knows how many Midnight Society members there are. He stuffed that hat. Andy grabs a monkey bone dust and submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call the story... The tale of the misfortune cookie. That has nothing to do with the story. (laughs) In fact, like, spoilers, the fortune that the main character gets in this episode is cryptic, and you don't know if it's bad or good. So, Andy, shut up. No. You're talking about a different story. 
If I got that fortune in a fortune cookie, I would go, oh, okay. <laughs> and I wouldn't think of it again ever in my life. Exactly. I wouldn't be like, hey, guys, this is more like a misfortune cookie. And then everybody would punch you in the face. Yeah, and they'd be right to do it. Our tale starts up and we're looking at um, Chinatown, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. There's a bunch of big buildings and they all got signs that are in Chinese. And we get a voiceover from Andy saying the Emerald Garden restaurant belonged to the Lee family. It was a good restaurant, but not very popular. So the whole family had to pitch in and help. And here we see a son and his parents setting a table, which fades to the sister bringing in dishes to wash, which fades to grandpa vacuuming and a son flipping some chairs on the table. And then we see the son stacking some cups, and then we fade to the kitchen area where the sister's eating some soup and rice, and mom hands a bowl of soup down for the son, and then smooches his head. It was honestly kind of a weird way to start off an episode with just a montage. Yeah, it's setting the scene. Uh, yeah, okay. Spoilers a little bit. Uh, my problem with this episode is that they set the scene for 10 out of the like the 22 minutes. It's ridiculous. Yeah, nothing happens for most of this episode. After that restaurant montage, the son's helping his mom put some crap on a shelf, and someone walks by them, and mom motions and tells his son to go ask. So he walks over, and it's his dad, and he says, Hey dad, Sean's having a party tonight. His dad, who looks to be doing inventory, doesn't seem to notice his son. So his son asks if it's okay if he blows off work, which is probably the worst way to ask for a night off. Yeah, there's definitely a better way to put it. Yeah, you can't just be like, hey, can I blow off work? Like, what are you talking about? That's what somebody would say if they, oh, uh, well, if I was going to say if they hate their job, but uh, he does kind of hate his job, so. He does hate his job. He's, he clearly has no respect for his job or his family and their business or his grandpa in the slightest. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't like, hey, dad, there's this party I want to go to, so you and this restaurant can fuck off. <laughs> But, like, just a little, just a little bit below that. Yeah, it's like the the small step right below that. Dad tells him that Saturday is their busiest night, and his son's like, yeah, but come on, it's never really that busy. But Dad tells him that they need him here, and Mom walks up, and the kid complains to her, and Mom's all, come on, Charles, let him go. He deserves a break. And Dad slams his paper and silently walks away. So the son walks back up to him saying, this isn't fair. I do all the work around here, and you never give me a break. And dad, t I'm sorry, he doesn't put that much emotion into it because this character, he, he shows almost no emotion. It's all pretty much monotone. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I don't want to give the wrong impression. I'm not. He's not very good. No, he's not at all. Dad tells him everyone pitches in, but the son tells him that no one works as hard as he does. And if it weren't for him, this stupid restaurant would go under. And then he says to himself that he wishes this restaurant would go under so we wouldn't have to slave here anymore. And dad looks at him and says, I will pretend I didn't hear that and walks away. And mom tells the kids sorry and that it won't always be like this. And we look over at grandpa who nods. All right. We have met like the entire cast. So <laughs> let's meet Pretty these much. characters. The main character and emotionless person his name is david lee and he's played by brendan bowie whose only other role was teenager at world of donuts in the movie henry fool okay he's had those two roles that's it yeah that's about what he deserves usually i'm like oh why didn't you do more but you know what brandon bowie not so hot so it's understandable the sister's name that we briefly saw she'll she'll be more important later i guess her name is Teresa lee and she's played by Flora Chu, 
whose only other role was playing Aaron in the Goosebumps episode, Let's Get Invisible. Um, she was alright in this episode. She's... She's she's not given a lot to work with, yeah. and she doesn't rise above the material, but she does okay. Yeah, I feel uh, exactly the same way as that, yes. The dad was played by Ming Lee, who played in an episode of Law & Order in 2000, and an episode of Strangers with Candy. Okay. That's a solid filmography. Yeah, do you remember that show? Yes. I never wanted to watch it because her teeth were disgusting. Yeah, I think that was the point, though. <laughs> Is that the show that, like, Stephen Colbert was, like, got famous yeah. for? Or was he in something else before that? He was on it. That's all I know. I was, uh, I was surprised to find that Stephen Colbert was from that. Mom was played by Belinda Hum, who played in a few other things like Wrong Number and Ladies Room, but was also a stand-in for The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Which I think we can all agree shouldn't have existed. I haven't seen it, but yes, I agree. I went to the theaters to see that movie. It was a lot of Brendan Fraser's screaming. A lot of it was screaming. Hmm. He screamed almost every line in it, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Which, I mean, it was like 2008, so I could be uh. misremembering a little bit. <laughs> considering I forgot, like, the vampire didn't do a dance on the top of the rooftop in Night Shift that I had watched, like, two weeks before, so... No, I'm going to assume that's how it was. I'm, I think Jet Li was in it, though, so that was pretty great. Yeah. That was a redeeming quality, I suppose. Grandfather Lee is played by Zen Hu Han, who's been in a few other things like Wicker Park, Highlander, The Final Dimension, and some French stuff. Cool. Yeah, and that's that, family. So let's go back to the episode. We cut over to the kitchen of the restaurant, and some guy's bringing in a crappy-looking box... And he sets it down, and he looks around, and then steals some money from a container. Yeah, so right away, you know this guy's a shithead. Yeah, like, I mean, you're telling me that he sucks, which I don't really need you to show me that he steals money to tell me that he sucks, but the money-stealing thing doesn't really go anywhere. No. Maybe it makes him look like a druggie or something? I don't know. Grandpa sees him steal this money and stares the dude down who stares back for a second before turning his head and saying yo david man got something for you and he sets the box back down next to david and he grabs his clipboard asking for david's john hancock right there and david signs it telling the guy whose name is eddie not to lose it as someday this signature will be valuable and Eddie, by the way, is played by Adam McDonald, who was in shows like Vampire High, 1-800-Missing, Being Erica, Rookie Blue, and a show called Tribal, which was from this year. Okay, so this guy's had the most successful career out of everyone. Yes. Alright. He hands the clipboard back to Eddie, who says that he'll put it under his pillow. And David's all, oh, you think I'm kidding? And he reaches behind his back and then hands Eddie a piece of paper saying, look, I'm gonna make a fortune with my own comic book series. And Eddie unfolds the paper and shows us the hero in it, who's got an R on his chest and looks to be spinning his fists, maybe? I don't know. I don't know what this is meant to be. What kind of superpower do you think this thing has? He's got a mustache, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't... Maybe it's a Fu Manchu? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. It's something. Yeah, his name is R-Man. What do you think the R stands for? Hmm... I, I don't know. Widow's Peak doesn't start with R, so I don't know. <laughs> really lame. Yes. It's the most generic comic book hero ever. Ever, I think, yeah. Completely ever. Yeah, probably. I mean, I drew a lot of really generic comic heroes. 
as a youth. Sure. But I think he's got me beat. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you showed me a superhero, you were excited about it, and you were like, I'm going to get famous from this. The first question I'd be asking is, what's his name and what's his superpower, right? Yeah. Like, what is this thing? Whatever. <laughs> when he spins his fists, man. I'm going to be rich. Eddie says, what do you call him, bus boy? And David grabs it back saying, he's not a bus boy. And Eddie apologizes, telling him not to get testy. And David tells him, as soon as I make enough money, I'm going to go to art school and kiss this dump goodbye. And Eddie's all, you sound like my Uncle Bernie. He's got big plans, too. Of course, he's also known as Burger Flippin' Bernie. And David walks away from this shit, saying, well, I'm not wasting my life here like my parents or my grandfather. And he picks up some dishes or something and looks over at his grandpa, who's just sweeping every fucking room, apparently. And they look at each other, and Eddie walks up saying, ah, the old crush probably couldn't hear that. And David turns and looks at Eddie for a moment and then walks away. At this point, I was wondering if that grandpa was a ghost or something. (laughs) Because he's just always there. He's always just staring. Yeah. He doesn't say anything. I didn't know if he could talk. He can. He could talk. But you wouldn't know it. No, he just sweeps every room all the time. Wouldn't know it from the first hour of this episode. (laughs) He's a sweeper, man, okay? That's all he could do. He just goes from room to room, eavesdropping, getting insulted, and sweeps the floor. He'll watch you steal from the business. (laughs) But... Not even in, like, you know, shaking his finger or anything. Well, then Eddie steals again because he dips his finger in something and eats it, and we get a, a final look of regret from Grandpa before we cut that scene. We follow David and Eddie into the main dining area, and Eddie asks him where he's going to get the cash for this art school. And David tells him that he's working on it, and he's going to make it big, and he's going to get himself a limo and buy in a huge house. No way that I'm living over a restaurant anymore. I don't know any comic book artists. But I don't think even the most well-known comic book artists are riding around in limos. I don't think so either. Like, getting off at red carpets. No, the coolest thing that they could do is, like, go to a a comic book convention, a comic con. Yeah. Maybe an autograph signing of their work. So, I think he needs to just... He needs to chill the fuck out, okay? Be a little more realistic. sights a little lower. Like, come on, man. He's like, I'm going to be the best comic book author ever, and I just got to go to school and learn everything first. Yeah, starting from square one. (laughs) The camera cuts over to the sister, Teresa, who's working just as hard as David, setting down some stuff on a table. And Eddie walks over saying, Morning, sweet thing. What do you say me and you catch a flick tonight? And Teresa says, Sorry, I got homework. And Eddie asks her what kind of school gives her homework on the weekends. And I'm like, uh, every school ever? Yeah, I'm sure he dropped out, though. He doesn't know. What a loser. But David walks up saying, a good one. Say goodbye, Eddie. And he's all, okay, big brother, catch you later. And he walks away. David then tells Teresa to stay away from guys like that, as if she had a choice in any of what just happened. Like, she didn't go to him. Yeah, like, how dare you be harassed? (laughs) Exactly. She looks at him saying, gee, you think? You know I'm not a dope. You don't have to worry about me all the time. And David tells her, no, just when I'm away. And then walks away from her. And we stay with Teresa for a moment, and she looks to have gotten a fantastic idea. So she walks away too. With David, he's, um, I don't know, like adjusting some cups or something. And up walks Teresa, who says, I got my report card yesterday. And says that she got high honors. And David, who finally... At this point, he finally shows a little bit of emotion in this episode. He gets excited, saying, are you kidding? (laughs) 
This is the most excited we see him all episode. The whole episode. He gets excited saying, are you kidding? That's excellent. Wow. And then they high five. That's it. That's the uh, magnum opus of David's emotional range. Yeah, that's what he can do. Put that on your reel so you can get one other roll. The entire rest of the episode, he is just a monotone, emotionless, I don't know, husk of an individual. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) A soulless husk. It's no wonder he only had two acting jobs. No offense to you, David, or Brandon Bowie. I don't know. So they high-five, and Teresa says that she couldn't have done it without all the help you gave her. And David's all, hey, you did all the work. And Teresa's like, yeah, well, you did a lot. And then Teresa hands David a little angel-looking charm with a silver body and golden wings. And he takes it, asking her what it's for, and she says, because you're my guardian angel. The siblings smile, and then David's all... Don't think this will get you out of work. And she shakes her head and David rolls up a towel and starts whipping her with it. (laughs) (laughs) It's very odd. (laughs) It's almost as weird as the tickle scene from laughing in the dark. So I don't (sighs) I don't know. Maybe they just going to mention that. I'm glad you did. They just kept up tradition. Apparently. I don't know. He's like, Zemo's whipping. (laughs) (laughs) And she runs away, and then he chases her, whipping her the whole time. That's all in good fun. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I can see that in, like, a, a boy's bathroom or something, but he's just rolling up a towel and whipping his sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Our scene fades, and now we see Grandpa pulling a pillow or something out of a chest. And he unravels it, and it's actually a box with a picture of two dudes fighting on it. One's in black armor, and one is in white armor. And that's that. So we got back to David and Teresa, <laughs> and they're playing cards, and David yells, Jin! And Teresa throws her cards down, saying, Again? You're so lucky! And David picks up the cards as they hear a knock on the door, and Grandpa asks if he can come in. And David tells him, Sure, Gramps, what you got? And Grandpa walks over, telling them, It's a gift for you. And David who was just getting gifts left and right, asks, what is it? And Grandpa tells him it was given to him by his grandfather when he was David's age. Now it is time for him to have it. And David tells him, cool, thanks. And he stands up and is about to open the box. But Grandpa stops him saying, no, it is not meant to be open. It is meant to be admired for what it is, not for what it might be. What a terrible gift. Yeah, it's a stupid gift, but also he can't open it because it's like locked, closed with a piece of metal. So... Shut up, Grandpa. Yeah. I don't know what any of this was meant to accomplish. I don't know either. If someone gave me, like, a box Mm -hmm. and said you can't open it, I would be like, great. So now I just have to find space for this. Thanks for the chore. (laughs) If somebody gave me a ornamental box that I he told me I couldn't open, I would automatically assume it's got, like, the ashes of my ancestor in it or something. Like, it was purposely sealed shut. I don't know. David's like, you're giving me a box that I can only look at? And then Teresa gets up and says, don't listen to him, Gramps. It's beautiful. And Grandpa ignores that shit, saying, the warrior symbolizes the struggle between good and evil. And David taps on the box, saying, cool. They'd make great animated characters. And Grandpa's all, you have grand dream, David. But remember, there's a time for everything. Appreciate what is before your eyes. For one who looks too far down the road ahead... 
may wander off the path before him. David just nods his head and smiles and thanks Gramps. And Gramps starts to leave the room and David asks Teresa what that means. And she says, how should I know? He gave you the box. And we look back at a smiling grandpa who must just listen to everyone bitch about his existence. And then he leaves the room. I mean, it's pretty clear what that means. That's not really cryptic. Yeah. Just means stay focused. Exactly. Yeah. If you're looking too far ahead, you might you might fuck up what you're doing now. Live in the present. <sighs> the scene fades and we see David walk into a dark room, take off his apron and sit down. He turns on a desk lamp. And then he gets comfortable and starts drawing in a picture of a dude with a massive widow's peak. He stops, he rubs his eyes, and he looks over at the box. And we get a voiceover from Grandpa saying exactly what he just said in the last fucking scene. It's so <laughs> stupid. I know. Oh, it's just like when he... Andy at the beginning was like, this is about a misfortune cookie. I call this misfortune cookie. Yes! It's so this dude, stupid. This dude is just all about repeating stuff. I was like, what the hell? We literally... It hasn't even been a minute. (laughs) No, it really hasn't. (laughs) I don't know who decided that, but it was really dumb. David then sets the box back down and is about to start coloring his drawing again, but he stops and he grabs the box again. He uses a little pair of scissors or whatever to cut a very thin piece of metal holding this box closed. And at this moment, I stopped the episode and looked, and it's been 10 minutes. It's been 10 minutes, and now, finally, something is starting to happen, maybe. I thought. I thought at the time of writing that. But not really. I was wrong. But it, Yeah, it looked like something may happen soon. It's been 10 minutes! That. And I was wrong, too, because <laughs> guess what? Like almost half over at this point. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wrong anyway, because nothing still happens for, like, another couple of minutes. So, fuck me. <laughs> like, I know we can't just compare every episode to the tale of the night shift. No, we can't. But at fair. this point in night shift, they were already like stabbing vampires with stakes <laughs> and uh, yeah. jumping off buildings and <laughs> They were already equipping the flamethrower and Yeah. There was like machine guns. It was action packed. Yeah. Balls to the wall action. Emma came in from Nightly Neighbors and she's like, oh, "I got this." And she was like 12 years older. She had like <laughs> knives and she was so buff. She was just killing all the humans, and they're like, no, the vampire's over there. (laughs) And then we have this. (laughs) Even Hungry Hounds had action. I mean, not really, but they played the Ouija board, at least. Yeah. There was something in there. He opens up the box, and there's six golden fortune cookies inside. David then looks up, and the scene changes. Now he's walking outside the restaurant with the box, and he immediately runs into Teresa, who asks, Hey, what's up? And David's all, check this out. But Teresa tells him that he isn't supposed to open that. And she looks inside saying, Wow, gold what fortune are you, the cookies? box police? Uh, yeah. That's her job. David tells her that the cookies are worth a fortune. A fortune cookie. I get it now! <laughs> God damn it. She asks where he's going with them, and David tells her that the faster he gets his tuition money, the faster he's out of this place. And Teresa attempts to wrestle the box away from David, saying that, you're going to sell them? And David's all, why not? They're mine. And he grabs the box away, and David tries grabbing it back, saying, don't tell me what I can do, Teresa. And she argues that they've been in the family forever. And David counter-argues with the irrefutable, so what? And then the box falls to the ground. Yeah, he's right. 
So what? The kids look down with open mouths, and off-screen dad yells, Teresa, I need those vegetables! So Teresa tells David that she'll be right back, and she picks up the vegetables saying, do not move, and walks into the restaurant. David looks down and starts picking up the fortune cookies, and the last one he grabs is broken open. So he grabs the fortune inside, which is written in Chinese, so he can read Chinese, and he reads it saying, One should find perfect existence through imperfect existence. Then he says, What kind of a dumb fortune is that? I mean, that's also pretty basic. No, you're wrong, actually. That is a misfortune cookie, right? I mean, Not really. it is. It's the titular misfortune cookie, right? I mean, it's meant to be, but that it's just saying, like, you know, make the best of what you got. Yeah, which he already lives in an imperfect existence because you're never going to have a perfect existence, right? No, no one does. This episode kind of sucks. Another thing I got to say is those fortune cookies, if your gold fortune cookies crack <laughs> from dropping them like that, you aren't going to make any money on them anyway. No, you're right. I mean, you could like solder them back together or whatever, but still. <laughs> that ain't real gold. He's going to get like, okay, he takes this to a we buy gold place and he gets like $75 maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's like, yes. I could go to college now. No, you can't, David. Sorry. We hear some wind picking up, and David looks up at the sky, and we see the sun start to darken like an eclipse. Yeah, why not? Honestly, it took me a while to figure out what was going on. It's a bad shot. It is a very bad shot. It's very poor quality. I don't know if they just, like, you know, stuck a pin through a piece of paper and like put a light behind it or so. I don't know what they did, but it it's not good. It's not good at all. And I don't understand why it's happening. <laughs> no, no, it it doesn't have it doesn't explain what happens. Not even a little bit. Is Are eclipses like um something a major event in China? I don't know. <laughs> I assume not. I don't I can't know. Claim to hold any kind of knowledge about Chinese eclipse. Me neither. Anything. I don't know, man. I I watched it twice because I was like, okay, I think this is an eclipse. It took me took me two times to figure out what was going on. <laughs> yeah, what the hell is this? It's just it's out of nowhere. I mean, we've had nothing going on in the story, and then a fucking eclipse happens, and you're like, what? You get whiplash essentially. You break open a fortune cookie, and you see an eclipse. It's not no. I mean, the two are like peanut butter and jelly. <sighs> Well, that eclipse passes, and David looks down, and the box is gone. So he backs up, and then he runs away. And the caravan's back over, and, uh, yup, the box is still gone. We cut to a building with a line of people outside, and David runs up with a confused look on his face. And he walks up to the guy in the front, standing outside, who asks if David has a reservation. And David's all, reservation? Who are you? And the guy tells him that he can't get in without one. And then looks up as a chauffeur-looking guy asks David if they should try another restaurant. And David asks if he's talking to him, and the guy opens up a door to a limo saying, Or perhaps we should return to the mansion. Something wrong, sir? And David looks around saying, I think you got the wrong guy. And then he runs away. Hey there everybody, Cortland here, your good buddy and your vegetable deliverer. Thank you so much for taking a listen to our show, whether you're new to the podcast or a longtime fan, we appreciate you spending some time with us. 
our Patreon has grown, and now that we've gotten over 10 patrons, we'll be starting our Patreon-only giveaway today. From now until the end of the month, all patrons will be automatically entered in to win a bunch of great 90s Nickelodeon-inspired prizes. We've got a vintage Rugrats coloring book, a Ren and Stimpy set of playing cards, the first book adaptation of The Journey of Alan Strange, and I'll be adding in the 2019 Are You Afraid of the Dark reboot on DVD, which would be perfect for October. Visit patreon.com slash private island and become a patron for as little as $1 today and you're entered in to win. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth, Heather, Angela, and Eddie, the Silver Goth, Shane, and Steven, the Golden Day Days, Bryce, Faith, and Sarah, and the Platinum Bostics, Kathy, Carly, and Evelyn. Thank you so much, everyone, for your support. Our show would not be the same without you. On top of being entered in to win, our patrons enjoy tons of bonus content like early release episodes, bloopers, book readings, bonus episodes, and so much more. Looking for more laughs? Check out our Twitter at PRVT Island and Instagram at Private Island Presents. We create a ton of content for you to enjoy, including GIFs, memes, videos, and edited versions of episodes where we pack together highlights and jokes creating an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode in one minute or less. So, check them out, give us a follow, and join in on the conversations. We're always happy to talk to fans, so if you'd like to get in touch with us, give us a message on any of our social media accounts, or email us directly at privateislandpresents at gmail.com. We're always taking questions for our season wrap-up episodes. For a quick link to all of our social medias, the Facebook group, YouTube page, and more, check out the Linktree link in our episode description. Another quick and easy way to support the show is to give us a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts. We are almost at our 50th review and would love you to help us get there. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. For now, I'll let you get back to the show. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye! David opens up a beaded curtain and looks inside the restaurant's kitchen, where there's a bunch of chefs preparing dishes in white coats and stuff, and it's super fancy now and incredibly busy. And David just walks in confused, and... No one acknowledges him for some reason. I thought he was going to be like a ghost, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't just walk into a busy kitchen and none of the chefs be like, get the fuck out of here. You know, I've seen Gordon Ramsay. Okay. I think I would know. He would definitely be shooed out of there. Yeah. Like a rat. Exactly. So he walks into the lobby of the packed restaurant and looks more confused and then turns and sees the box his grandpa gave him, I think, that he cracked into, right? I don't know. I didn't see it. He, like, looks at a box, I feel like. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm, okay, I'm not going to go and look and find out, because I don't care. <laughs> Let's just watch the episode again. No, 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 we're not doing that. We'll comment on it in real time. <sighs> no, I mean, I could, but I'm not going <laughs> to do that. No, let's not, please. We hear somebody tell a joke and a bunch of people laughing, and they call over some guy to take a picture for the newspaper. And I didn't know what the actual hell was going on. Like, it's a, this guy tells a joke and there's just a bunch of people around this table and mom and dad are there. And then a guy from a newspaper wants a picture. I don't know. They're big time now. Yeah, I get that. But this whole 
there's a very important piece here, and it's that guy that wants the picture for the newspaper, because he's featured later, but it's so glossed over, and so much information was given to you at the beginning, and you know none of it actually makes any sense, and it's not important, but it is, and it's a mess. It's a mess, and I don't like it. From behind David, we see Teresa, who looks like she is straight out of an 80s hair band. Oh my god, she looks so ridiculous. It's honestly insane. She has a leather jacket and uh, this huge poofy purple hair. It's outrageous. It's insane. It's like a 40-year-old's idea of what a punk looks like. I don't understand it. It's it's not of this time period uh, even a little. This is 1999 and this looks they made her look like she's from 1983. Like punk 1983. Yeah. And even then, you would look at her and be like, "Man, what a poser." Yeah, nobody else is dressed anywhere near like she is dressed right now. Nobody. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess it makes a little bit of sense. I don't know. Are we done with this episode yet? Almost. We just have all of the story left. (laughs) That's fitting. Teresa says pigs. And David turns around saying, Teresa. And we see mom get up from her little newspaper table or whatever. And we get a close up of Teresa. And she's got this bright purple lipstick on and a choker around her neck. A nose ring. I don't know. It's a lot. Mom walks up to Teresa, who asks for money. So she says no. And father said, not until you start to earn it. And we look over at Pops, who scowls. And Teresa says that she can't stand him. And mom tells her not to say that and tries to comfort her. But Teresa's all, get away from me. And then walks away. And David just kind of looks at his mom and then walks away. We walk outside and we see Eddie talking to Teresa as David walks out of the restaurant and he's telling Teresa that they need cash now. And Teresa's all, don't have a call, man. I know where we can get a lot of cash That's fast. That's thing people say. Well, she says something super hilarious later, so. <laughs> okay, so they're definitely into drugs. Yes, yes. Eddie smiles and he says, yeah, I knew it could count on you, baby. And he goes in for a smooch, but David interrupts saying, Teresa, what the fuck are you doing? And Teresa asks who David is and he's all, who am I? I'm your brother. And Teresa's all, I don't have a brother. And then in swoops Eddie and tells David to back off. And also, he has a nose ring, too. Yeah, they're totally into drugs. What else could it be? This scene just kind of fades, and David runs back inside to the table with his mom and dad, saying, Mom, Dad, something weird's going on. Everything is upside down. It's those fortune cookies Grandfather Lee gave me. Where is he? I gotta talk to him. And Dad excuses himself from the table of adoring people, and Mom and Dad get up, and they walk with David as he tells them, And Teresa's acting all whacked! I can't believe that she did to you, Mom. Where's Grandfather Lee? And Dad points his finger at him, saying, No, look, I don't know who you are, I don't know what you want, but my father died a long time ago. And he pushes David into the kitchen as David says, What? Grandpa's dead? Then Dad just throws him outside the restaurant, saying, Do not come back here again, or I call the police. And David gets himself up, saying, Dad, Mom, come on, don't you guys know me? And Mom walks up to him with a scowl, saying, I do not have a son. I never had a son. Please go away. And she walks inside, and Dad slams the door, and David runs up to the door and opens it to a thick cloud of smoke, and that warrior on the box lid with the black armor jumps out at him. Oh, brother. (laughs) This was the moment where I thought, okay. This might actually start to get cool. Well, we're like 15 minutes in. Like, something's happening at this point. Yes. 
the warrior looks cool. There's an armored clad warrior with weapons coming at him. He's got like, you know, the black armor. It's the same from the box. And he's got like a spear in his hand and um, it looks cool. And he's played by Jason Cavalier, who we last saw as Sid the Mechanic in Tale of Station 109.1. If you remember, I said that he did a lot of stunts in his life. And here he is. Anyway, the warrior jumps out and starts doing some sweet moves, and David just stares at it through a commercial break. And then the warrior does a pose, and we hear like a dragon roar or something? And David yells, Mom! Dad! And then he runs past the warrior and down the alleyway. He returns to the front of the restaurant with the line of people, and he looks around, but the warrior isn't following him. And from behind him walks the chauffeur dude, who tells him that he's got an autograph signing session in one hour, and they shouldn't keep his fans waiting. And David looks down at a stack of comics in this guy's hands, and there's an issue of R-Man, the same comic hero David was drawing. And it looks terrible. It does look terrible. It's the worst. David tells him that this is his character, and the chauffeur tells him, of course it is. It's the largest selling graphic novel in history. Which made me laugh out loud. Bullshit. Exactly. I call nonsense on that. Oh my god. Like, in this alternate universe where our man's popular, (laughs) sure, whatever. I'll buy that maybe somewhere someone would be like, huh, this is dumb, but I'll read it. But the highest selling graphic novel ever? Ever. In history. Come on. It's bullshit. David looks at him and then at the comic, and the chauffeur opens the door to his limo, and then Teresa walks by. So David chases after her down the hallway, and she runs up some stairs and into a door. And David looks down, and there's the warrior, and we see David's face reflecting in his weapon. And that part was kind of cool. Actually, you know what? It wasn't just kind of cool. It was the coolest part of the entire episode. No, it wasn't. How dare you? It wasn't cool at all. It was the... You can't... Okay. It wasn't cool at all, but you can agree that it was the coolest part of the episode, can't you? Sure. (laughs) I will go exactly that far. (laughs) David tries to run past him, but the warrior blocks him, screaming a little each time. He's like, nah, nah. (laughs) So after a few seconds, David jukes the warrior and runs past him. Oh my god, this warrior sucks so bad. (laughs) He does. Spoilers, he's awful. He just casually walks around him so many times. He just, like... Runs one way and then runs the other. and it's Why even have that weapon? You're not going to use it. <sighs> we cut and he opens up a door and he goes into the apartment above the restaurant. And he makes his way to a room and says, Teresa. And we see Teresa in a dirty room full of clothes. And she says, how'd you get in here? And David ignores that question saying, you got to help me. I don't know what to do. And Teresa tells him that he can start by leaving. And she furiously packs a bag. And she wonders aloud where her... And then she looks over and grabs some more clothes. And David's all, you really don't know me? It's like I never was never part of this family. And Teresa tells him, lucky you. And David takes a couple of steps saying, in the restaurant, I can't believe it's doing so well. And Teresa stops and he looks at him saying, you're kidding, right? It's all I ever hear about. It's all my parents ever talk about. You know, if they spent a little less time making money and a little more time being family, then maybe I wouldn't be. And she stops that train of excuses and David's all, what? Wouldn't be what? Okay, like, I get where they're trying to go here. Like, they're not spending enough time with the family, and they're big shots, and they're just all about the money. But, like, give me a fucking break. You can't be like, maybe if they would have hugged me more, I wouldn't turn out this crazy hair and this nose ring. <laughs> you know, like, shut the fuck up, Teresa. Yeah, that's that's just... You can't blame all your problems on your parents. 
It's so stupid. <laughs> like, maybe I'm just being an old man or whatever. And, like, like I said, I can sympathize. But shut the fuck up. You can't be like, I would have never dyed my hair purple if they would have just loved me. Like, no. Yeah. That makes it even more like she's just faking it. Yeah. Dressing up like this just to make a statement. Like, yeah. This is the you most. You see, mom and dad? <laughs> you see what you've done? It's the most old man writing a teenage girl that I've seen in a while. Like, it's not. <laughs> it's not her fault. It's the parents. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it was just really stupid. David brushes aside a shirt or something and sees an issue of Our Man. And he picks it up and he says, you know, I created this. And Teresa's all, yeah. I wouldn't take credit for that. (laughs) It sucks. And Teresa's all, yeah, then you must be pretty rich. So, Mr. Comic Book Dude, does being rich make you happy? And David sets down the comic and he looks in her bag and sees the chest that his grandpa had given him. So he grabs it saying, the fortune cookies. And Teresa grabs them saying, hands off, they're mine. And David accuses her of stealing them. And she yells, no, I didn't. My grandfather gave them to me right before he died. And David then accuses her of doing almost exactly what he was going to do with them, which is to sell them. Except in her case, it's to give the money to her drug dealer, Eddie. Teresa pulls up her backpack and walks away, telling him to mind his own business. But I find it really annoying that David's like, you can't sell those. Like, David, you were going to sell them. Yeah, that was like five minutes ago. (laughs) Like, I know a lot's changed since then, but it was still not very long. You can't yell at your sister for doing exactly what you were going to do. Like, you have not changed as a person. You've been in this alternate dimension for maybe ten minutes. I mean, you're rich. Just give her some money. That's a good point. David chases after her saying, wait, please, those fortune cookies. I don't know. They have some kind of magic in them. They're the only way I have to make things right again. And Teresa asks, right? What do you mean, right? You're a rich comic book guy. Things are perfect for you. This is the only chance Eddie and I have to get out of this dump. And David grabs her backpack yelling, you can't go with him. The guy's bad news. So Teresa wrestles with him asking why he cares. And then the two kids hear a loud bang on the door. And Teresa takes that opportunity to run away with the backpack. The door busts into some smoke, a warrior in black, and a dragon roar. Come on. This is the least threatening antagonist in the history of Are You Afraid of the Dark? The Watcher from Watcher's Woods was way more of a threat than this guy. But at this point, he just busted down a door. Like, sure, he didn't do anything the first two times, but surely this time he'll do something, right? Well, we'll find out. Eddie Scream asks, who are you and why are you chasing me? And the warrior walks towards him, and then David runs away. Womp womp. (laughs) Outside, Eddie's on his motorcycle asking Teresa if she got them. And she gets on the motorcycle too, saying, we're out of here. And David runs up telling her not to go. And Eddie's all, what's with this guy? And the true ride away on their motorcycle. And David just stops and stares for a second and says, I'm stuck here forever. And he looks over and sees the warrior in black and says, why? Why are you chasing me? And the warrior then speaks, saying, to protect you. And David breathlessly says, protect me from what? And the warrior says, from a life you hate. You have what you want now. No family to hold you back. No responsibility. And more money than you can imagine. Up rolls the limo driver saying, there you are, sir. And he opens the door saying, should we go? We got a schedule to keep. 
and he opens up the back door for David to get in. He's not even like, who is this black <laughs> warrior gentleman? <laughs> nope. Nope. Not even a little bit, Brandon. Okay. I mean, I'd be a little curious, but whatever. <sighs> Limo driver doesn't get paid to be curious, okay? David nods, and he blinks a couple of times, and he reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out the guardian angel that his sister gave him, and then slams the car door closed, saying, no! And he turns to look at the warrior, saying, I want my old job back. And the warrior's all, you hated your old job. And David throws down the warrior's weapon, which is pathetic. Yeah. And he gets closer to him and says, I want my family back. And the warrior tells him his family got in his way. But David points his finger saying, I want my life back. And the warrior asks why. And that he has everything he ever desired. And David tells him if it means giving up his family to get it, then I don't want it. And the warrior gets dramatically blown back for some reason. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it says this this warrior gets like yelled to death but not even really because he didn't put that much emotion to it he was like i want my life and the guy was like Ugh. <laughs> and he says then your better half And then he slumps down like he's dead. And David walks up and he takes the helmet off, covering the warrior's face. And then the warrior was David himself the whole time. And I could tell that because he was a shitty actor. (laughs) Well, the stunt work was alright when he did those poses and stuff, like a Power Ranger. But... The, 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 then your better half has one line. Yeah. Maybe the worst delivered line in the history of the show. Mm, man, now I kind of want to go back and listen to it. How about we just grab a clip? How's that? I'll make you do that. All right. <laughs> you can do that part. The sun goes all dark again in a shitty shot of an eclipse, and David turns around and the warrior is gone, and he grabs the box off the ground and he looks around. And he runs back inside the restaurant, which has far less people in it now, and he looks around saying, Yes! Oh, the business is failing. All right. I know, right? <laughs> and he walks up to his mom saying boy do you look great and he gives her a hug and a smooch and he's all and this place looks great too the tablecloths the chair the food and he picks up a plate of food from some patron's table he brings it to his face and he takes a huge sniff saying man the food smells good and the guy grabs I his food back. I can't imagine why this business isn't doing so hard. I know, right? That's exactly what I thought. Like, he's just grabbing people's food off their table. And I specifically mentioned earlier in the episode that when he saw his sister's report card, that was the most excited he is all episode. Yes. And I was specifically thinking of this end scene where he realizes he has his life back and he loves it. Mm-hmm. He's still not as excited. No. As he is. No. Seeing his sister's report card. He is honestly like, okay, this kid is probably like 17 years old or so. And with that in mind, I think he may be the worst actor we've had on the show so far. That's that's including Ooh. Buzz and uh, like the kids from Whispering Walls and everybody. Just all of them. I think this might be the worst. That's a tough call. There's been some bad actors on this show. Yeah, but like. But, but he's bad. He's not good. And he has no emotion. This is like the time to have. This is like the Christmas morning where he's like, I'm live. You know, like. (laughs) This is the payoff to Christmas Carol. Little Timmy's fine. And (laughs) Scrooge can (laughs) give everybody the money. (laughs) And this is what we got. 
Yay. <laughs> Let me sniff your food. <laughs> yeah, this is what we get. You're sniffing people's food, giving it back to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he he gives the food back, and David looks over saying, Dad, Dad, how are you? And Dad gives him a look up and down saying, huh? And then, in busts Teresa, and she asks, What's all the hubba? <laughs> what (laughs) David runs over to give her a hug and she asks what his problem is and David tells her that he has no problems and requests that she doesn't dye her hair purple mom asks if David's okay and he says never felt better where's Gramps and Gramps with a smile says over here David and David runs up saying you're okay and Gramps is all of course I am and you and he looks down at the box then back up at Gramps saying I think I found perfect existence within imperfect existence and Grandpa laughs a little saying then you've learned the most valuable lesson do you think all the fortune cookies have that fortune in it then yeah it's a lesson you only need to learn once I like how he's <laughs> he learned his lesson and all it took was his grandpa dying in an alternate dimension <laughs> from behind them Teresa suggests David has a vacation and then in walks some dude asking for a job from a newspaper as a part time cook it's the cook from the alternate reality when they were doing well I get that like I understand what's going on I get it's the cook that made the business successful but the episode never told us that you know yeah. Like, we're supposed to just infer that from the information we're given. But the episode gave us all this crap about how David wanted to be a comic book author and he wants a mansion and he wants a limo and his family sucks and Teresa's his favorite color is purple. And I, it was just a lot. And then this just happens. And, and I don't know. Mom says that she'll get him an application and David dramatically, I, I use that in air quotes, says, Mom, Dad, <laughs> hire him. Don't ask any questions. Just hire him. I promise you won't regret it. That's not how businesses work, son. Nepotism, I tell you. It's ridiculous. Gramps smiles, and they both hold onto the box of fortune cookies. The end? I guess. That's that's an ending. They stopped shooting footage, so that's an ending. Yeah. So I guess, like, they are going to get the big business now because this person is here that was a good chef. So does that mean that it was just that their food sucked? Yeah, I guess. And he's sitting there snorting it off of a customer's plate. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's cocaine. I don't know. Okay, I have a question here, though. So did David create an alternate dimension? Like, he's no longer in that dimension now that the story has ended. But does that dimension keep going? Probably. Interesting. So he should have just given Teresa money so that she could have all the drugs. But he didn't. Yeah. (sighs) It's not a very good brother. No. I don't know if I have anything more to say about this episode. I don't like it. (laughs) No. This episode doesn't have anything to say. We cut back to the Midnight Society, where Andy says, the end, and Vance says, wow. And we cut to Quinn, who says, that was an excellent story. And over with Megan and Tucker, Megan asks, so, what does your fortune say? And Andy cracks it open and reads it, saying, many do not hear your song, but it is beautiful. (laughs) He wrote that himself. (laughs) Megan thinks that shit is sweet as honey and Quinn groans and Vange tells him it's better than his fortune blank boy and Quinn's all yeah yeah show's over let's go it's getting late and Vange lifts up her fortune saying that she's getting that freebie egg roll 
Even though no place would be fucking open, Vange. Yeah, it's midnight. <laughs> the kids all get up as Quinn says that he'll get the fire. So he extinguishes it and then grabs a new fortune cookie from Andy's hat. And he cracks it open and reads, I told you, Quinn, only one fortune apiece. Then he yells, Andy, you are so dead meat. And that's the end. How did he do that? I don't know, man. He Maybe he made them himself. That's why they were in his hat. Because I was wondering, because fortune cookies either come individually wrapped or in a box. Yeah. And you could just bring a box there. You don't have to lug them in your hat. Or do you? Yeah, I think the only way this makes sense is if Andy... <laughs> if Andy made the fortune cookies and the fortunes, and I don't know, now he has to give Vange a free egg roll? <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine she walks into a, like a well, Chinese restaurant with a handmade like clearly homemade fortune and she's like give me an egg roll it's that she got it <laughs> my friend I mean, if made he can this. make homemade fortune cookies he could probably handle an egg roll that's true yeah they just gotta go to you know Casa de Andy right and get an egg roll this was all just an allegory for him to start up his own Chinese restaurant it's all just a commercial for his new jade for his new uh, Emerald Garden restaurant that Andy's working on. He's got to be a better cook than a storyteller. I hope so. Oh, man, Brandon. Moral of the story. I mean, obviously, it's like, enjoy what you have. But mine is don't look up at a solar eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good... That is a good moral. Yeah, that's what I got. That's what I got out of the story. <laughs> I think the moral of this story is you can have a loving family or be successful but not both. So true. Choose wisely or crack open a fortune cookie and change everything. <laughs> That's it. Those are the only things that I could learn from this. Tell the misfortune cookie. That name is terrible. I, we can, <sighs> let's come up with some better names. We got this. All right. Um, the tale of the terrible name. Boom. Done. Next. <laughs> the tale of the suck ass warrior. So bad. That warrior was such a disappointment. Like, I don't want him to chop Dandy up or whatever, but, like, you have a glaive, use it. I mean, I might be down with him <laughs> just chopping him up. <laughs> the tale of the failing restaurant. The tale of our man. The tale of Sean's party. I do want to see that party. It's probably kick-ass, but he doesn't care about it anymore. You know, there's so many things that didn't happen this episode, it's hard to even think of any good names. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like three things happened in this episode, and they were all boring. <laughs> um, The tale of what's in the box. The tale of It's a Wonderful Life. Done. <laughs> Love it. Next. Do you want to find out what's next, Brandon? Yes. Are you ready for this? What is it? Up next, season six, episode three. Oh, the tale of the virtual pets. <laughs> oh, come on. Season six. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, who do you think is going to tell this one? Uh, Vange. I think it's going to be Vange, too. <laughs> she would be the one that's like five years old being like, I got this Tamagotchi, and that's what my story's about. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Fucking Tamagotchis were all the rage back in 1999. Yeah. She's going to sign into her Neopets and, and be like, see, I got to feed him. <laughs> But what if you fed them and they were misfortune pets? <laughs> I cannot wait for this episode because you know it's going to be bad. 
Yeah. <laughs> like with Misfortune Cookie, we knew it was going to be bad, but we didn't know how bad it was going to be. This one is going to be terrible. <laughs> There's no way this one can be good. I still had some hope for Misfortune Cookie. Oh, yeah. Okay, hold on. Let's look at IMDb and see what Virtual Pets has, just so we get a little taste of it. You know, a, a, a completely biased taste, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the Tale of the Virtual Pets has a 3.0 out of 10 uh, with 459 reviews. Okay, so that reviews. actually gives me more hope for it. It could be great. Because IMDb's reviews are bananas. They're all over the place. So, it's at least two times worse than Misfortune Cookie. Every time you say that name, it just... Cringes? Hits me in the wrong way. <laughs> it makes me cringe, too. I understand. Oh, but that's all we got for today, I think. I don't want to talk about fortune cookies. I don't even really care for fortune cookies, so I'm done. Hopefully we no. we cannot possibly have another uh, It's a Wonderful Life story, right? That's not going to happen again, right? I'd like to think that's the case, but I don't know. I hope not. Well, I'm done. I'm tired. I've been up all night. I, uh, I don't know. I'll see you back here next week for virtual pets, I guess. Yeah, I can't wait. Woo. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, Brandon. I can't wait either. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> I think this episode's going to be great. Uh, Vange is going to kill it. I know. She's going to be like, I'm going to earn that Midnight Society spot by telling a great tale. and have a. She better have a Tamagotchi prop. I want to see a 1999 Tamagotchi in this next episode. All right. Let's do it. All right. I'm out of here. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hubba.